Right on radio. Right on radio. Hello, Right on Radio family. This is Eric bringing you another Saturday sermon. So let's get started with a word of prayer, shall we? Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, you are the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. You were the word in the beginning through whom everything was created. You became flesh, you dwelt among us, and you died. You lived a sinless life and died on a cross in our place and paid the price we couldn't pay. And then you ascended to the right hand of the Father, and there you are, our advocate, Lord. Thank you for doing that because you love us so much. Father, thank you for sending your Son and doing that so that we could have a restored relationship as sons and daughters of you. And thank you that you both pour out your Holy Spirit on us so that we have a comforter who's with us, who bears your fruit in our lives and uses us to spread your spiritual stuff to the world and to build your church and your kingdom. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and be a part of this time. and Give me the words to speak and give us ears to hear what you would have to say. And I pray that each one walk away blessed hearing, having heard from you what they needed to hear. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Okay, I got a timer on because I don't want to go over an hour because immediately following this is the Singapore. So go on to the Telegram main channel, right on Radio Channel, and join us for a one to two hour uh, spirit-led time of prayer, worship, ministry, and warfare. It's a wonderful, beautiful time. I would strongly encourage you to do it. And I do not want to go over an hour because then I would cut into their time. And unfortunately, I could easily go for an hour because I chose a doozy this time and I didn't know it was going to be as big as it was when I jumped into this. But sometimes God you know, gives you that inkling of what to study and you start and man, it's like the rabbit hole of the word got bigger and bigger. So I'm going to be talking about liberty in Christ and how do we live out our liberty in Christ with one another when we're in different places in our journey with God. And God is doing different things in our lives and we don't always agree on that which is um, allowable in our walks. For some of us, this might be sin and for others, it's not sin. And what happens when we start beating each other over the head with what God or what we feel is okay and not okay. And I don't think it's okay and you think it's okay. So I'm telling you it's not okay. And then we start to argue back and forth because now you're telling me that's okay, but I feel the freedom in God to do it. Woo, what do you do with all of that? It happened in the New Testament. It happened. Um, it happens in our churches. It happens in our chats. So I wanted to just try to jump into the Word of God and see what it had to say about liberty. And I went to the Old Testament, did a word search, and there's only liberty mentioned three times. So I thought, well, there's not a ton there to go off of. There is some. But for the sake of time, I'll say that for another time. Now, if we go into the New Testament, it is written there often, and there's a reason for that. Now. I want to encourage you, if you go and you read in the New Testament, if you're going to dive into a portion of a book, like say Galatians or Romans or something like that, read the whole book once. Just so once through. Don't stop, just read it. Because these were letters that were written to the churches, <clears throat> and they were meant to be read to the church. So you got a letter from Peter or John or James or Paul, hey, we got a new letter, sit down, they open it up and they would read it to you. It was meant to be listened to in one sitting. And yes, we can dive into it because God put a lot more stuff there. But sometimes it's good to get an overview of what the book is talking about because we have our favorite verses that we've memorized in those. But sometimes it's important to see the context itself. And the reason that's important is this. As Paul was planting churches, churches had different flavors. They were in different areas. Their struggles were different. Their environment was different. Their makeup of the people that were part of that church were different. And so it wasn't a one-size-fits-all message. Some, In some, he was really pounding on, uh, don't get circumcised. And some it was, hey, you're free. you have liberty in Christ. And it's like, hey, yeah, you're free, but don't use it as an excuse to sin. And, you know, and, and it makes sense because even Jesus in Revelation, to his letter, in his letter to the churches, it wasn't the same message to each church. Some of the churches, man, he came down pretty hard on them. And some of them was like, hey, man, it's rough where you guys live. Just do this one thing and you're good. So, um, and doesn't that true hold true to our walks? We're all on different levels in, in, our, in our faith with God. We're all on different legs of our journey towards, towards, towards our final destination with him, right? You know, um, <clears throat> and God has different callings on our lives and, I'm going to share an example. So a pastor I used to, of a church I used to attend, he was a, a basketball coach. He loved pizza and beer. And God called him to be a youth minister. 
I said, okay, God, I'll do that. God says, one thing, I need you to give up drinking. Okay, God, I won't do that. Um, he had to wrestle to it for a while, but God finally convinced him to do it. He says, you know what, you've got kids in your group whose parents are alcoholics and are abusive, and it's not going to help you minister to them if you're drinking too. <clears throat> and so he gave it up. Now, now, decades later, and what God has used, done, and done through his life, he's glad he obeyed and he wouldn't trade it for all the beer in the world. Um, but you see, that was an instance of where um, some people feel the freedom in Christ to have a drink. And he did. But God told him to waive that, right? Because there was a specific purpose. Well, that doesn't then mean then that he should go and tell everybody else, you can't drink beer because God told me I can't. Right? But that happens sometimes in, a, in our walks. And so, <clears throat> um, when you read one of the books, and I've, I almost read the entire New Testament doing the research for this talk because there's just so much there. And I was like, oh, that's really good. Oh, that's even better. Oh, that's even better. So there's... It's going to be kind of hard to bring this down to an hour, but um, <clears throat> just think of an overview of what it was like, what was going on in the church this time. So the church was born within Judaism. Um, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The Holy Spirit was pouring out. The church was growing, and then God started pushing out to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And then as, the, as Christianity began to spread the non-Jews, there were some Jews who went around saying, hey, welcome to the family. You now serve the one true God just like we do. Now go get circumcised. And while you're at it, follow the rest of the law of Moses. And so they had to address that situation. And indeed, as we've seen in Acts, that very thing gets addressed. First, I want to read to you from Galatians 2, because this is Paul's letter to the Galatians talking about the thing we're going to read here in uh, Acts in a minute. Galatians 2.1, Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of a revelation that I went up, and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation, for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in, who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. But from those who were of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectively, effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James, Cephas, or Peter, and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Bar Barnabas the right hand of fellowships, so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised." They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was also eager to do. That was the only thing. But when Peter, or Cephas, came to Antioch, Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, If you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? And then he goes into the whole justification by faith. Now, we also get this picked up in Acts chapter 15. 15 verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. They're saying you cannot even be saved unless you're circumcised. Whoa, that's pretty, uh, pretty bold statement there, huh? And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning the issue. Therefore, being sent away by on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and blah, 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 blah. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees, who had believed, stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So you see what's going on there? The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. 
After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did also to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. And all the people kept silent. And they were listening to Paul and Barnabas as they were relating the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James answered and said, Brethren, listen to me. And he goes on here and he says, Therefore this is my judgment that we do not trouble these who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, and from fornication, and from what is strangled, and from blood. And indeed, the letter that they sent says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, this is verse 28, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourself from these such things, you will do well. Farewell. So when that debate came up, that's what they decided to do. So, some of, the, some of the Pharisees, some of the Jews were saying, you need to get circumcised and follow the law of Moses. And, that's, and they were following Paul around as he was planting churches and move on to plant another one. They would come along behind him and start saying, hey, welcome to the family. Now you need to get circumcised. Now you need to follow the law of Moses. And it was putting them under the law. So that is the context where we get a lot of Paul's writings about you're justified through faith. You're not under the law. Because they were trying to come and put them back under the law. Now, you also have to understand that Paul is not reaching out in Judea, right? He is in the Roman Empire where there's multiple gods and there's idols everywhere and there's markets and there's multiple religions and uh, not good religions. So, now, just like in Jerusalem, there was animal sacrifice and when someone sacrificed an animal, the person who gave the sacrifice could take some of the meat home to eat, and the priest could take some home to eat, and some of it was burnt up as a fragrant offering to God. Well, similarly, in the Gentile, some of the, um, you know, the, the temples, they would also do animal sacrifice, and then sometimes that meat would then be sent to market and sold. So you might go down to the market and buy some meat that was sacrificed to an idol, and you might know about it or you might not, and the guy selling it might know or he might not. Another thing they had was there were temple prostitutes. So when you read in, the, in, in some of the letters to the churches by Paul where he says, you know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, don't go join yourself to a prostitute. It wasn't necessarily just prostitution. You know, it was the temple prostitutes because that was what they did. Hey, honey, going to church. I'm going to go have sex with a temple prostitute. Like, wow, you know, well, no, duh, no wonder guys signed up for that religion, right? So, um, but so Paul's dealing with this environment. He's not in Judea where everyone's trying to live as God's chosen people. He's out more in the, the wild, you know, as everything goes. And, you know, there's tons of gods and tons of temples and tons of idols and tons of religion. And he's trying to build a church in there. And just as he gives people full of the Spirit and living by faith and go to do it again somewhere else, then the, the circumcision would come in and they would, they would undermine it. And he was very frustrated by it. I mean, so much so, in a couple places, he even said, I wish those who are bothering you, I wish the knife would slip and they'd mutilate themselves. He was saying, I wish, you know, that's pretty harsh terminology there. But that's what he was saying. Now, I want you to, now in Corinthians, this is interesting, right? We know what they determined in Jerusalem. But listen to what he's saying. All things are lawful, but not all are profitable. All things are lawful, but all, not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this meat is sacrificed, this is meat sacrificed idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks 
or to the church of God. Interesting. And, 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 and really quickly, just so you know, Paul, when he writes, sometimes they're in large swaths. Like 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 10 deals with one issue. And this was among them. But I, like if you read Romans, the whole book is this diatribe. It just it, it, It's really brilliant. And it's hard to follow at times. But man, he goes in and covers all the angles and all the nuances. And it's, it's just an incredible book. That's why I encourage you to read the whole thing once just so you get the once over that was intended. You would have heard when they first read the thing. We weren't allowed to dig in deep until the printing press came around, right? But these were just letters that were read to the churches. Um, I'm going to hop to another verse real quick here. Just let me get to it real quick. So he's talking to the Galatians, and they had come, the circumcision, do that. And look at Galatians 3.1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then he who does so so then does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So then this is those who are of faith are blessed are the blessed with Abraham the believer. So Man, he really um, dug in deep. Let me go to the next one. First Corinthians eight one. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, he's going there, right? Now, given this was one of the few things that the council in Jerusalem said, there's four things they got to do, and this is one of them. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows any things, he is not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge. But some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not condemn us to God. Neither We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor better if we do eat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. It's interesting here. He's saying, basically, for those for whom your liberty in Christ is a stumbling block, it's because their faith is weak. So does that mean maybe sometimes the people are trying to beat you over the head with the law or with what they think's right or wrong? And maybe something God showed them for their life that's not okay. It's almost like Paul's saying that's weakness of faith. But it doesn't matter. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who has knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols, which for them is a sin, right? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by... And so, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Whew, man, he went there, didn't he? He comes out and says that, hey guys, there are no other gods. There are no idols. Anything you eat, you have thankfulness, you eat it. Thank God for it, eat it. But 
I am not going to cause my brother to stumble. You know, the pastor I was talking about, I went out and had pizza with him sometimes, and sometimes, you know, it was after sports or something, you know, baseball, you know, softball or whatever, church leagues, and there would be beer. And, and people drink beer, and pastor wouldn't have beer. And he wasn't, it didn't make him stumble. It, he wasn't like, don't drink in front of me because, I'm, you know, it's going to make, it, no, it didn't it make him stumble. He'd say, no, go ahead and have it, it's fine. I, I'm used to not having it, I'll just have Coke. Um, or tea, whatever he's having. So, so, but see, in that case, it wasn't causing him to stumble. Now, if you know that it's going to cause someone to stumble, what should you do? Should it be, I got liberty in Christ, I'm doing it. Does that edify? Is that love? No, it's not. At the same time, do, same time, though, what do you do if someone's trying to beat you over the head over your liberty in Christ? Like the Pharisees were doing, like the circumcision was doing. They were trying to go in and say, you need to get circumcised or you're not saved. And you need to follow the law of Moses now that you're part of the family. Wow, how do you balance all that out? Jo Paul does a masterful job in his letters to churches, but... In each letter, it's a little bit different because he's dealing with a different church, a different group of people, a different environment where they live and what are the temples and idols and what's the markets like there. <clears throat> um, but do you see the balance he's coming out with? He's saying, hey, no, one, no one's allowed to judge your freedom in Christ. And then in, in 9-1, in the first Corinthians, same thing. He's like, I, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you, are you not my work in the Lord? Um, do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brother of the Lord in Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Like, so, you know, he, he's going that. He's like, oh, um, Do you not know that those who perform sacred services at the food of the temple and those who attend regularly at the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord, like, you know, he's, so he's going in there, hey, we've got liberty. Um, but then this is what he says. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. This is 1 Corinthians 9.19. So that I may win more. To the Jews I became a, as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being un, myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Gosh, I could read all those chapters, but it's like, ah! Um, so yeah, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10 is, is a great place to go. Um, and then I read Romans. And in this wonderful, wonderfully written, written book, and very long book, by the way, he gets over to verse to, to chapter 14. And I just got to read this to you real quick. Just let me check out. Do my thing. Oh, wow, I'm doing really good on time. You know what? I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to go to Romans 8. So then, brethren, 8.12, Romans 8.12, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting death to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. Just a second, I gotta. Sorry for the silence, I know that drives just crazy. Romans 2.4 Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Let me go back to verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who, practice, for you who judge, practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Man, whew. he covers it all, and, and masterfully so. Because you get, you get in the body of Christ. People judging others, and sometimes people are judging people while they're doing the same thing. Ah, don't do that while they're doing it secretly. There's also people who, who are weaker in faith, and he, and he talks about don't cause them to stumble. Yet you're free in Christ. You have liberty in Christ. You're not under the law. You're saved through grace. You're saved through faith. That doesn't mean you don't have to obey the, the ways of God. But Peter said himself, you know, hey, none of our fathers, none of us have been able to live up under the weight of the law. Why should we put that on all of them? So it's a very complex issue. And I want to go real quickly to the Old Testament. So, one of the verses that the word liberty is in is a really good verse. It's actually the verse that launched Jesus' ministry. He went up to read a scroll. And the scroll that just happened to be laid out was open to this verse. And he walked up and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of spirit of fainting, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The word liberty there is only used eight times in the Old Testament, and it's the word deror. It's a masculine noun denoting liberty, emancipation, it referred to the freedom proclaimed during the sabbatical year, and even more so the year of Jubilee. In a cyclical, ironical use, the prophet proclaims that Israel's liberty would be destroyed by God's judgments. It is also a masculine noun denoting, denoting myrrh oil. It describes literally myrrh of flowing, like liquid myrrh, like liberated myrrh sort of a thing. I was like, that didn't have a lot of liberty. But then what about freedom of the prisoners? Forgive me if I pronounce this one wrong. It's only used this one time in the Old Testament. And the word is pekakuak. It's a masculine noun indicating an opening, a release from captivity. This phrase means literally opening of vision as eyesight. In context, it indicates the freedom of those who had been bound. So your lack of freedom 
your captivity can be because the blinders are on. And that one word that was used in this Old Testament at one time is used when Jesus launched his ministry, the freedom to the prisoner. Sometimes we are in prison because the blinders are on. And we need those blinders taken off so that we actually use our eyesight and see. And then we can actually be free. Paul's very clear. He says so many times in Romans, I'll just give him the 331, 6115, 6157713. 7, what shall we say then? This may it never be. You know, he goes through this whole line of reasoning because he has to balance out hey, you're not under the law. You're saved through grace. You're saved through faith. Abraham was God's, Abraham was credited with righteousness because of faith. This was before the law even came. The law came after Abraham was. God's chosen one because of faith. And indeed, Abraham's seed is Christ, and those who have faith in Christ, we are actually Abraham's seed, those who have faith, because the law came later. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that, should I use, you know, yeah, let's just go there. <laughs> it, just a second, let me get there real quick. Like Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Um, 3.31 Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Guys, read Romans. It, it, it's an important book. There's... It might take an hour to read it, but it, it would be well worth it. Um, so, as with many things, it comes down to love. I love how Paul says, who is someone else to judge my freedom? And that's true. Now, the law was here so that we would know sin. The law was here so that we would know God's ways. But we're not under works. We're not under law. But that doesn't mean we're free to sin. But if you think about your journey, sometimes when you come to Christ, it's just this liberating freedom. Not to go out and do whatever you want. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying going out and sin. But there's just a liberty and a freedom and it's just like, ah, oh, the shackles are gone. I don't have to toil under all this stuff. I've got an easy yoke and his burden is light. And then what happens? Later, sometimes the God says, hey, son, daughter, I need you to give that up now. Isn't that a whole lot different when it's that case rather than Someone who said, hey, you're not supposed to do that. You're sinning. Okay. Even if they said, hey, God convicted me, that's sin. I'm not doing that anymore. You shouldn't do it either. Now, there's room for that. But not if we're trying to stifle their freedom in Christ. Um, we should pray for them. We should maybe share if we feel God wants us to. But... Think about your own journey. Hasn't there been times in your walk with Christ where something that wasn't a big deal all of a sudden became a big deal? See, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And although in that verse it's kind of part of a different argument, but there's some meaning to that. It's way different when someone tries to whack me over the head with a log that's sticking out of their eye saying, you can't do this. I resist. Oh, really? You're saying I can't, huh? But it's way different when my Heavenly Father comes alongside of me and says, Son, it's time for you to let that go. It's not good for you. I need you to let it go. See, when it's that kindness of the Lord asking me to let go of something, that's way different than someone trying to beat me over the head with something that they think that I may or may not agree with. Or maybe it's not something God's asking me to do yet in my walk. Maybe He will later, maybe He won't. 
And then when God's done something in my life, I can share that, hey, I used to struggle with this or I used to do this and God really convicted me one time and he came alongside of me and, and allowed me to let it go. My life's been really good. Um, I'd encourage me to pray about doing the same thing. But then also ask God, Lord, is this something I should share with them? Is this something you're doing in their, in their life yet? Um, and at the same time, man, it's a, it's a tough situation because it, it even comes up all the time in, 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 in bodies of believers, even online, stuff like this. Um, what do you do when, you know, we need to be careful that we guard our liberty. What we're free in Christ to do, we need to do. But we also need to be careful that we don't use that liberty in a, in a way that doesn't edify and doesn't cause someone to stumble. Like, for instance, if, if I was going to go out to dinner and I knew that there was someone there that did not drink and they, they thought that drinking was a sin, if I'm aware of that, I'm not going to order a drink. I'm not. Um, if I'm not aware of it and I order a drink and I find out later, the next time I won't, and I might apologize to them, but you know what I'm saying? Um, if I know someone's stumbles over something that I feel free to do in Christ, I'm not going to rub it in their face. I will gladly refrain from using, utilizing my ministry and walking in my freedom in Christ for the sake of love to not cause a brother or a sister to stumble. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean now you therefore Ah, none of you can do this around me because I think it's bad. Like, no, that's not the same thing either. You need to check that if you have that attitude. Um, and we grow from faith to faith. So, you know, God's, God's in charge of our walks. God's in charge of our journey. He may someday very well do the same thing with you. He may not. But it's when God does it, it works. When it's forced from the outside by someone else, it doesn't tend to work. When God comes alongside you and it's his kindness and it's you're my son, not I'm the lawgiver, I'm going to pound you over the head with it, but it's the come here, son. You're a fellow heir with Christ. You're my son. You're my daughter now. Come alongside me. Let's do this now. See, I know for me in my walk, those are the only times that I've given up things that's really stuck. Um, because they, they come from within and they come from the growth of that loving relationship with my Heavenly Father. Those are the changes that last, in my experience. Um, <clears throat> and although I might encourage others, you know, I also realize, hey, they might not be there yet. God might have a different path for them, you know. Um, I know some pastors who have a drink once in a while. And I know some that don't, you know. And we have to have grace for one another when those things arise. And now I'm going to read Romans 14, the entire chapter. It's really good. Because I think it sums it up really well. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand. For the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be convinced fully in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, 
that he might be Lord of both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with food, with your food, him for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even if Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one, of, with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Wow. Kind of sums it all up, huh? I mean, the, the struggle is real. The conflicts are real. They happen. It's part of being in relationships with anybody. It happens in families, and larger groups, and friends of circles, congregations, churches, online communities. You know, we see it on our chats, do we not? You know, disagreements about all sorts of things, but Romans 14... And then the first half of 15 that I just read. Sometimes I think it'd be good for us to go there and reread that. Not every day necessarily, unless God leads you. Um, but to keep in mind what, what the ultimate goal is here. You know. <clears throat> sometimes it seems like we're either judging each other or we're condemning the... You know, it just... He so clearly addresses it. That which he dealt with in the churches as he was planting. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. We're not under the law. We're under grace. We're in relationship with our Heavenly Father. When the Holy Spirit tugs on your heart and says, Hey, don't do that. Don't do it. Um, if you're not getting that check... It's not obvious sin. You're free to do it. You're free to walk in your liberty in Christ. And because of love for your brothers and sisters, 
one of the most beautiful things you can do is lay down the flaunting of your liberty so as not to cause someone else to stumble. And when they're not there, you can walk in your liberty. You know, I like that verse when Jesus says, you know, you hypocrite, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when behold, the log is in your own eye, you know. First, remove the log, then you can see clearly. He didn't say don't address the specks in your brother's eye. He said get rid of the log first. Ah, being the body of Christ. And thankfully we have a father who goes around and cleans up the messes that we make while we're living with each other and growing with each other and having our debates and our disagreements and and who we believe and who we don't believe and what we believe is information and what's misinformation or disinformation and it's all conflicting so it can't all be right and trying to discern what's true and what's of God and what's not and what might be manipulation by the enemy. Trying times, lots going on in the world right now. Um, I'm going to go back to John um, and his letters and his gospel. Man, it's all about love. The world will know we're Christians by our love. Jesus was all about the love. John got it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not doesn't know God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. So, in our dealings with each other, in our families, in our places of employment, the places where we gather, churches we go to, that we are one body. And how we behave with each other and what we do to each other impacts everything. We're all part of one body. So we got to love each other. We got to take care of each other. And um, we don't need to beat each other over the head and we don't need to judge people and we don't need to condemn each other. We got to give grace. Um, even if we know we're further along in our, in our walk with Christ and someone that's beneath us, then it's not a good example. If God indeed has told us to give up something in our life out of obedience to Him, then we need to walk in that obedience and we need to be careful that not automatically turn around with that and tell others, you have to be circumcised because God told me I had to. You have to follow the law of Moses because God told me I had to. If God tells you to do that, go ahead and do it, whatever it happens to be. But be careful before you try to make that as something that has to be imposed on everybody else because it isn't necessarily the case. You might be impeding upon their liberty in Christ. And if you have liberty in Christ and you know that someone has a struggle with something, you shouldn't flaunt it in front of their face. You don't want to cause them to stumble. Because if for them it's sin and you do it in front of them, you're causing your brother who Christ died for to stumble. I think Paul expressed that beautifully. So here we are on this journey, trying to learn how to be brothers and sisters, the same body, with different beliefs and different backgrounds and different opinions and different views on different people and sources of information, and yet God is one. And He's our Father, and He's got to juggle all of us kids, doing all of our stuff, cleaning up our messes, but you know, He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. So I would encourage you to spend time at your Father's feet. Ask Him to give you love for those people that we are in relationship with in the body of Christ. Because God is love. And if we let Him guide us, He will guide us in love. Let's pray real quick. And we still got a little bit of time left over for Singapore, so you can get prepared for it. Father, thank you that you... We're not caught off guard when all that happened. And you aren't caught off guard when it happens today. Jesus, you came and you didn't just come to save Israel. You came to save the whole world. And it started with the Jews first, but then you pushed out past Judea like you said you would. 
and you started reaching out to the rest of the world and that led to conflicts and religious spirits went out and told people you've got to do what we you've got to get circumcised and Paul had to deal with that and it led to conflicts and whoa how do you juggle it Lord and we're still having those same struggles today so Father would you come would you move among us would you pour out your spirit upon us so that we learn how to love each other better that we would have grace towards one another that we wouldn't be judgmental over one another and we wouldn't be condemning over others and that we wouldn't flaunt in front of others and cause others to stumble or would you give us that ability to balance all of that so that there is peace in your body and that love would flow in our midst Lord and Lord we know that there may be some that come in Maybe purposeful or not purposeful, trying to stir division and strife and envies and jealousies, and that gets addressed in, in the word a lot too. <clears throat> the flesh, the fruits of the flesh sometimes come into play. And either that's on purpose, someone's trying to come and disturb the peace of your body, Lord, or it's just someone who's in their flesh. And we who are spiritual should come alongside them and correct them gently. That's what your word says. So Lord, help us walk in the spirit not the flesh and Holy Spirit will you birth in us the fruits of the spirit and would you use the gifts of the spirit the, the spiritual stuff that, talk, that Paul talked about would you use that in our midst so that we can help each other grow and that the fruits can grow more quickly and where those of us who have fruit in our lives Lord would you use that fruit to nourish others in our body May it refresh them and plant the seeds in them so that the body of Christ becomes more and more the bride of Christ that we are intended to be. Lord, we cannot do that in our own strength. We will muck it up 100%. But Lord, you can do all things. So help us as we are on this journey with each other. Give us grace, give us love, grant us peace. And Lord, remember that, help us remember that we are your bride. And you're getting us ready so that when you come, we're ready. So help us be prepared for that, Lord. It's in your precious name, the lover of our souls, that we pray. Amen. We'll stick around, hang out for a few more minutes. And the song and pour is going to start in about, I don't know, eight or nine minutes or so. So thank you for joining us in this Saturday sermon. If this blessed you, um, please share it. Um, may God bless you mightily this weekend, this week, the upcoming months with all that's going on in the world and um, for the remainder of our days. God bless you. Take care. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.